there was a man walking along the beach. And what had happened is there'd been a giant storm and thousands and thousands of starfish had been washed up onto the beach. They were so far up on the beach that there was no way for these starfish to get into the water. And the sun was starting to come out and starting to fry them. They were starting to burn, starting to die. And as the man was walking along, he saw a child or a small boy taking time to throw starfish back into the ocean. So the old man comes to, to the boy and says, well, what are you doing? How can you possibly think that you're going to make a difference? There are thousands and thousands of starfish that are here washed up on the beach. And the boy turns to the man and he picks up a starfish. And he says to him, I may not be able to get them all back in, but I can make a difference to this one. Every starfish that I throw back into the water, if it could have feelings, would be grateful that I made a difference in that one's life. I don't know about you, but when it comes to thinking about reaching the world for Jesus, it can actually feel really overwhelming. When we think about just how many people in the world don't know Jesus, it can feel a bit like, well, then what's the point of doing anything? Because how am I going to actually make a tangible difference? But for every person that you journey with towards Jesus, every person that you help take one step towards knowing Jesus more, you make a difference to them. So if you hold yourself into having to go, I want to make the whole world know Jesus, you will get stymied and you will feel like you can't do something. But if you can remember that each person you make a difference to makes a significant difference to them, you will open up a whole world of opportunities for how you can actually make a difference in people's lives. How do we reach the world for Jesus. Uh, we're continuing our vision series. This is a vision of where we're going this year. Uh, and really, it's no different. We actually have an ongoing vision as a church that between now and 2030, we want to engage with people in the Shire of Murray, the Peel region, and to the ends of the earth, encouraging them to have transforming relationships and really coming to know God by encountering Him and equipping them to be sent out as devoted followers of Jesus. And so the first step of that is, is engaging people. How do we engage people? Uh, we break this down into a few different steps, a few different ways of doing it. And I went over these in a bit more detail last week. And now every week for the next four weeks, we're going to drill into one of those steps. How do we foster connection? How do we foster curiosity? How do we foster commitment? And how do we foster commission? And they're the things that we look to do. One of the challenges we have in following Jesus and journeying with people towards Jesus is that sometimes we really want to just help them jump from the first step to the last. We want to meet someone, have them come to know Jesus, baptize them, send them out as a follower of Jesus that day. Uh, and it really doesn't work. And so one of the ways that you can actually take away some of the challenge and some of the recognition there is that journeying towards Jesus is long and slow most of the time. And so what you want to do with each person that you're hoping to see come to know Jesus is you want to help them just take 
the next step for them? Now, pesky people don't follow a linear gradient, so they don't necessarily take these steps perfectly one after the other, but you will be well-versed to really focus on with each person that you're hoping for and praying for to just try and help them take the next step. So movement one is the one that we're going to dig into. Today it's looking at how do we foster connection. This is really to connect with people who are not interested in God and simply help them move to being willing to connect with you. So this is those people who are out in our communities and out in our neighbourhoods, in your workplaces, in your sporting clubs, in your bridge clubs, wherever it is that you might be, who have absolutely no interest in Jesus. They might even be worse than that. They might be outwardly opposed to Jesus. But God loves them. And he wants them to have a relationship with him. So the first step we look to help people take is simply going from being completely uninterested and in many ways unconnected with anything to do with God and connect them with someone who knows God. So how do we engage with people far from God in the communities that we live in? Well, one of the things is we actually need to do is start in the beginning and do something that's really uncomfortable, I think, for Christians. We have to accept that for many, they will just not be interested in looking for Jesus. And if our first interest in connecting with them is that we want them to know Jesus and to insist that the first part is something to do with Jesus, we actually stop the process in its tracks. So I actually think the way that Jesus went about this and the way that he encourages us to go about this is in, in lots of ways as he connected with people and as we connect with people, the first step is literally just that. It's a connection to a person who knows Jesus. Most people in our orbit are actually not interested in the next part. That's next week's talk. We'll talk to those who actually have an openness to spirituality and to Christianity. But for those who are completely uninterested, the way that we help them take a step towards Jesus is the first step is accept. They actually are not interested in Jesus and so you need to be comfortable that perhaps your first step with them is just going to be a friendship. It's just going to be a connection so that somebody in their world actually is connected with Jesus. We talked about some movement catalysts. There are some things that catalyze these movements. There are some things that seem to uh, encourage or speed up or make these things happen more. Uh, one, of the, one of these is pivotal circumstances. So where this happens a lot is someone brand new moves into your neighborhood. Uh, this is great for the area we're in. There are lots of people moving here all the time. And many of those who are moving here aren't actually looking for a church or they're not looking for Jesus, but they are looking for friends. They are looking for a community group. They are looking for people to, to get to know and to find ways to get connected in. So a pivotal circumstance in a person's story might be, I was not interested in God, but then I moved to South Yandrup and I started hanging out with my neighbour. And that's how it is. Maybe it's a barbecue. Maybe it's catching up with the kids. Maybe it's going around about... It's just a social connection. But you're connecting a person who is uninteresting in God 
with a follower of Jesus. Another movement catalyst is providential relationships. When people share their stories, it is very common for people to be a key part of their story. So I was completely uninterested in God, but then I met Bill. Or I was completely uninterested in God, and then I met Susie. And Susie just loved me for me. Or Bill just hung out with me and I didn't even know he was a Christian for the first three months. Oftentimes you might find that's part of the story. And they get providential relationships. You have the opportunity to be someone's providential relationship. No agendas, which is a really hard part because this can't be that you're befriending them just so that they come to know Jesus. It's actually got to be that you're just befriending them and hopefully down the track, they might be one of the people that happens for them. Can't guarantee it, but it's part of the process. So your key focus in this stage, moving people from uninterested to willing to commit, is simply making intentional connections with people who are outside the church where you work, rest, and play. And it's hard because you need to have time for this and you've also got people in the church you're connected with and you've got family you're connected with and this is why it has to be intentional. It's not going to be with everyone. So you might have heard the term people of peace. You are looking for people that maybe God puts in your heart and says, hey, this is a person that would be good for you to just build a relationship with. And you might have five or 10 or 15 of these. We'll talk to something around that point a bit later on. Uh, and who knows how many of them will actually ever take a step beyond this. But the key point here is it's intentional. This is not just that you have a water cooler conversation every now and then with, with you know, Sam who's at the, the door or whatever it is. This is someone that you go, no, I'm intentionally going to invest in this person. I'm going to intentionally connect. I'm going to join the same sporting club, not, not creepily, don't go stalking people, but you might already have joined the sporting club and you just happen to both love the West Coast Eagles and you start attending games together. That might be what you do. Uh, you might like the Dockers and you might come together and pray together for, for a miracle to come. Uh, or it might be something else. It might, you might like you know, the same bridge club and you can't stand football because that's obviously a large portion as well. And the reality is you're just connecting with people and finding ways to intentionally connect in those places. Uh, that's a really important part. So here at Austin Cove, we follow the, breath, the bless strategy. We encourage you to follow the bless strategy in the rhythms of your life. If you haven't heard this before, if this is new to you, or maybe it's been a while since you thought about it, uh, B stands for begin with prayer. And this is one of the easiest and yet hardest things to do. Because it really is as easy as, all right, I'm going to pray. Like we, we could do it right now. We could actually start this process uh, and you can begin with prayer. If you haven't got a list of names of the people in your life who are far from God, that you would like to know Jesus, You've got an action step. You can stop listening. You can actually zone out right now because that's actually where you can start today. Even just coming up with a list, whether it's written down or one that you have through in your mind, and you regularly pray for those people. Pray for opportunities. 
Pray that God would give you a, a space to be able to go deeper with Him. Pray that God would help you to build that connection. Uh, pray that He would open up in your workplace. Who are those people? Pray that God would open up in your sporting club and your games group or your running club. Uh, whatever it might be, pray and begin with prayer. It's one of the easiest things to do and actually one of the things that is least done by followers of Jesus. Uh, the next step is also a, a fairly simple one. It's L and it's, well, it's, it's Scottish. Let me read that first. Uh, Luke 6 verse 12 to 13 says this. One of those, on one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountains to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he also designated apostles. Uh, even in Jesus' life, he would so often start the day with prayer or when it came to making decisions, he'd go away and pray and then he would make that choice. And so the beginning part of this process is simply begin with prayer. Uh, the second one is L. There's an easy part and a hard part. The first part can be hard if you're like me and you're not a good listener. Then it's just hard and hard, but we'll go with that. But listen, that's the easy bit because you can teach yourself to listen. The second part is without judgment. Listen without judgment. So again, very specifically, someone who is uninterested in God and you're looking to move them towards being willing to connect with you, strangely enough, doesn't love when you go and call them a sinner. Strangely enough, doesn't love when you point at all the things that are wrong with their life. Now, you're not wrong for noticing them and you're not wrong for hoping to see that you can make a difference in that place. But when you're building connections, at that point of the journey, it's probably not the place to be going and saying all the things that they have to change. Now, your job is to listen. Your job is to hear their story. Your job is to look for opportunities where you can then tap into beneath the surface and places where they actually start to say, I'm actually open here. And that might take some time. It might take a week, it might take a month, it might take a year. But you listen without judgment. One of the things that was claimed of Jesus or said of Jesus, because it was true, is that he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. In Matthew 11 verse 19, it says this, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Here is a, a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Uh, James 1 verse 19 b says this, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so often we do the opposite. We're slow to listen, quick to speak, and even quicker to become angry. Especially if you're on social media. That's totally going to be what you experience. Now, when you're wanting to build connections with people far from God, we need to double down our listening skills, double down on actually being open to hearing what's going on in their life because it's actually in hearing those things that open the doors for you to go deeper. Be very, very slow to cast judgment. Very, very slow. Not that there's never a time, but it's probably not day one. It's probably not early on in the piece. Get to know them. Spend some time. Now, here is the thing. Jesus never said to those who are gluttons and drunkards, it's great that you're a glutton and a drunkard. 
You don't see Jesus saying, it's a good thing that you guys are sinners. It's a good thing that you guys are tax collectors. So you do have to be careful in this stage to not be seen to be saying to them, you know what, it doesn't matter that you're sleeping around. There's no problem with that whatsoever. So it's not about saying that it's okay. But it's also about about shutting the door when you're first getting to know people. If they come to you and say, hey, should I sleep with my girlfriend rather than my wife? Probably say no. Or, hey, should I do this rather than my wife? Probably say no. Hey, should I go and embezzle a million dollars from my company? Probably don't say yes. In fact, don't say yes. But if you're spending time with people and you're hearing about things that are going on in their lives, don't be surprised that that's there. Learn to listen and build those connections. Uh, the second one is eat. And I always, almost always say that this is my favourite, not just because I like to eat. But this is where you, it kind of feels like this is the easy one to start to do. Because it's really easy to go and get dinner with someone. It's really easy to regularly catch up with someone for lunch. It's really easy uh, to do this intentionally. Where I think this falls down is we'll tend to do this really well with our Christian friends. And we're so busy doing that that we don't actually have time to catch up with people outside of faith. Because there's only so many days in a week and so many hours in a day and only so many things we can do that it can be really hard to do them all. And so you might even look to find ways that if you've got a Christian friend at work and you've got someone who isn't maybe a Christian friend at work, take them both out to lunch. Great, you get, you get both in one. It's a good opportunity. But actually eating together... This is not just catching up. This is not just, you know, talking around the water cooler. This is actually taking some unhurried time and finding ways to regularly sit down with someone and go a bit deeper. Matthew 9, 10 to 12 says this. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners, so here's that whole thing again, came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And Jesus, so often there are so many stories in the Bible where you see Jesus eating with people, not just with his disciples, not just with those who are in his close knit, but actually with the crowds and going out and being a part of their lives and sitting down together. If you haven't got people that you're regularly doing this with or at least looking for those opportunities, then maybe that's something that you can look to do across this year. But find reasons, find times to go and eat with people uh, who are far from God and actually build those relationships and connections. Uh, the first S in bless is serve. Look for excuses to serve people. It is incredible how much people can... That, now, people don't necessarily like being served, and yet at the same time, they can also deeply appreciate it after the fact. So they might say no at first, or they might not be open. So you've got to kind of gauge this well. But one of the things that really stands out to someone is like, you know what? That person actually served me. They didn't want something from me. They wanted to give me something. They, they were blessed to be a blessing, and they, they, they served me. One of the main things that is often said by people who are far from God who look upon Christians and say, they're just out for themselves. And that's unfortunately one of the things that many in our culture have come to think is that Christians are actually just out for themselves. And that is the absolute anti, you know, it's the opposite 
of what we're meant to be about. We're meant to serve first. We're meant to actually be about others, not ourselves. And so finding ways to serve those people in your spheres of influence, where you work, rest and play, uh, take that extra shift so that they can go be with their parents. Work out ways to look after their kids when you'd actually rather go home and just sit down and watch a movie. Or, or find little things that you can do that serve them and help them see the value that they have in your life. Matthew 20, verse 26 to 28 says this. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom of many. And what you have to remember is that when Jesus said these words, there was very clear understanding of what a servant was. There was very clear understanding of what a slave was. And rightly so, our culture has moved beyond those norms. Rightly so, our culture, through its Judeo-Christian background, has come to the place where that's just not part of our regular curriculum, not part of our regular way of doing the world. But the premise that Jesus is wanting to get at here is this is not necessarily meant to be something that's super easy. This is meant to cost you. This is meant to be a little difficult. It's meant to be a little challenging because it's meant to press you just beneath the surface where you actually are first a servant. You are first someone who is looking out for the other. You are first someone who is looking out to make sure that they are actually looked after and served. And so it is a little difficult. It, it is a little bit, ah. Now you've got to balance this uh, make sure that your family is loved. Make sure that you're not out being so busy serving everyone else that your own family doesn't feel like they're loved and served because that is what can happen here. Uh, make sure that you're not going so far that you're burning out because a burnt out Christian is not actually particularly helpful. So don't go so hard and so fast that you then start to break down in your own self. You do need to do self-care. You do need to be healthy. So this is not about you, uh, you know, stripping yourself bare and making it so that you can say, look, I'm such a good servant, because that kind of defeats the purpose. But find ways to serve. And then the final S that we look at is story. Look for opportunities to share your story. And now this is the last one in Bless, because it's probably the last one that will come up. Sometimes, day one, they'll say, so how did you become a Christian? And even if that happens, kind of try and dial it back a bit. Don't give them the 35 minute, and this is what happened, and then there's the blood of Christ, and then blah, 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 blah. It, this is just the simple things of why is Jesus real in your life? But at some point, you do hope. At some point, you do hope for those people come to you and say, so why are you a Christian? Because I've noticed that you do all these things and you're not even necessarily like the Christians that I, that I think of because if you actually ask the average person to caricature a Christian, doesn't actually tend to look a lot like Christ. The average caricature of a Christian is actually not particularly flattering. And so what you might find is they'll come to you and say, but you're not like that. Why are you different? Tell me what it is about Jesus to you 
that makes you different. In John 14, verse 5 to 6, we read this. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. One of the things that you'll notice as you read through the Gospels and read through Jesus' story is he actually tends to wait until people are ready to hear his story before he goes into the deep parts of his story. Because what actually happens is he's out teaching a lot of the time to the crowds and he shares everything in parables. And if you've taken three seconds to read the parables, they don't always make sense. And that's what the average person heard. They heard these little snippets, these parables that he gave his teaching from. But then you'll see, but then he gathered with his disciples. Or, or then he gathered in a smaller group. Or, or then he got with those people and they asked him follow-up questions. And they're the people that he gave the deep parts to. Those who are ready to listen. Those who are ready to hear. Those who are perhaps ready to act on what he shared. So he was happy to share bits and pieces to everyone. But those that he actually gave the full interpretation and background to were those who showed an interest in hearing more. Now, Jesus only had three years to do this in, so it was probably a bit faster. Hopefully, you've got more than three years. Hopefully, there's actually a bit more in that space for many, if not most of us, to actually journey with people a little bit slower. That's not always the case, and anything can happen. But you don't need to feel like you do this in week one, week 20. You can take your time and wait for the Spirit to maybe guide you. Wait for them to ask the questions. Can you help me with this? Can you tell me a little bit more? If you want to know more about the bless side of things, there is a book called Bless. This is not my idea. I did not come up with this. Uh, it's called Bless. It's by Dave Ferguson and John Ferguson. It's got a few different covers, so you might find it looks like that, but you also might find it has a different one. But it's called Bless, and it's by Dave and John Ferguson. So jump on, uh, on you know, look on Amazon, get it on a Kindle, get it in your physical. I know Kirong's had it in the past. I, I haven't checked today to see if they've still got it. Uh, but it's a really, really helpful book to help us understand how we can do this. One of the principles that we also talk to that I'd love you to be thinking about as well is who is your one? It's a really simple concept, and that's to basically ask God to give you some insight. Who is one person in your life? Because you might already be feeling it's a bit like the starfish. So even in my workplace, there's 20, but you might be a social animal, and you might be at the, you know, the center of everyone's attention and going, I can't do this with the 20 people in my workplace. So who's your one? Ask that God might give you some insight in your life. Who is one person that this year you can intentionally do these things with? Who is one person? Now, you might actually find you end up with lots of ones. And that's okay. It's not a problem to have more than one one. But here is what is true. To have less than one one is a problem for a follower of Jesus. Because Jesus was very clear when he came and he was about to leave and said, go and make disciples of all nations. And he was not just talking at the super Christians. This is what we are called to do. So every follower of Jesus 
should have at least one one. It's a person that you're regularly praying for. A person you're trying to find opportunities to listen to without judgment. That means you need to be in places where you're talking with them on a regular basis. It's a person that you look to eat with. It's also a person that you look to serve. This might move and change as you change jobs or change sporting clubs or change different locations, whatever it might be. Who is your one? You should be able to have a name or maybe it's a few names that you can say, now you can't make them come to Jesus. They still might be 10 years away from actually making that decision. But that doesn't stop you having the focus of praying for them, trying to eat with them, serving them and sharing with them where you can. Who's your one? So a bit of a recap. Just remember we've got B for bless, L for listen without judgment, E for eat, S for serve, and S for story. So as you look at those and as you think about your covenant for this year or your, your commitment for this year, maybe what you need to be thinking about in that engaged space is one letter from this acronym that you need to re-add to your rhythms this year. Maybe prayer has disappeared. And so you can say that your commitment in the engaged space is to commence or recommence regularly praying for a, a specific group of people or a specific, it may even be a specific person. You may name your one in that space or it might be a group of people or whatever that might be. Maybe you're going to say once a month, I'm going to make sure that I eat with someone who I'm wanting to see come to know Jesus. Or maybe it's at my workplace, there's always these things that need doing that no one wants to do. I'm going to be first in and make sure those things get done. I'm going to be first in and serve in that way. I'm going to clean the sink at the workplace. Have you seen some, some kitchens in the workplaces? I'm going to make sure that that's spick and span. And I'm not going to announce it and I'm not going to put up a big sign, James cleans the kitchen. It's just going to happen. Maybe that's what you can do. Or maybe you've got some friends that actually God's been telling you for a while now it's time for you to sit down and share your story. Maybe you've got some friends that you're a little bit nervous about taking that step. And your one needs to be, I'm going to spend this year looking for an opportunity to finally share Jesus with this person. Maybe that's what you're looking to do in the engaged place. But what's one letter? What's one letter that you can look at and go, that needs to be a part of my rhythm this year? So how do we reach the world for Jesus? Desmond Tutu once said this, there is, and I checked this, as far as I can tell, he actually did once say this. This is not one of those, just put a famous name to it and then come up with what you want to say. I tried to fact check. It seems true. There is only one way to eat an elephant. One bite at a time. How do we reach the world for Jesus? Every one of us, every day, looking to intentionally live for Jesus and help each person in our sphere of influence take one step 
towards him. And if we can focus on that and live for that, we will see fruit. It probably won't be every starfish that's washed up onto the beach, but that one starfish that decides to follow Jesus makes a difference to them. So let's live intentionally to engage those people who are just not interested in God and just help them connect with us this year. Let's pray. Lord, I I do pray that you would help us to do this. I pray that you would help us to break through what can seem to be an insurmountable barrier with some people. We desire for the world to know you. So I pray that you would help us to not be overwhelmed by the need, not to be overwhelmed by the numbers, not to be overwhelmed by just how many people we know that don't know you. Help us to find one person or maybe a few one persons and to live a life intentionally seeking to connect them. Firstly with ourselves and then ultimately to yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.